Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from the Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Tuesday's top story. To talk about somebody's, um, a famous person in our industry's hair. Just kidding, we're not talking about his hair. We're talking about his scandalous behavior because apparently... U.S. criminal charges against Sam Bankman-Fried don't warrant dismissal, prosecutors say. So basically, his lawyers tried to get criminal charges dismissed, and these include technicalities around his extradition back to the United States of America and campaign finance violations. In May, he filed pretrial motions to dismiss most charges against him. His defense argued procedural issues, the relevance of some U.S. laws given FTX's non-U.S. location, and that charges exceeded the great agreed extradition terms. I actually want to toss this to Jen. Um, I know your hand was up, Zach, but um, I'm going to toss it to Jen because she's our legal person. And, and I have nice hair today. But she has better mm. hair than you. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Zach's got good hair. I don't know. Yeah, that, I, it's true. I can't, I can't beat Zach on, Both have on great the hair. hair. Thanks, Will. All right, let's get into the story. You know, I think Sam Bankman-Fried has a good legal team. He understands what's going on. His parents are lawyers. And so we're going to see them kind of pick apart the technicalities of what's going on. I wasn't surprised to see that they didn't stick because what he is alleged of committing are really serious crimes that affected a lot of people. We're dealing with a large amount of money here, and I don't think it's going to go away based on some technicalities, but I do think that we can expect the team to continue to like throw the ball, see what sticks, see what kind of charges they can get thrown out. I just don't think it's gonna work for Sam Eggman-Fried. He is accused of some pretty serious crimes. Zach? Lawyer's gonna lawyer. That's what I see when I see this story. They're gonna lawyer. This is the, this is the procedural dribs and drabs before the show goes live in October. We're all waiting for that season to kick off, and it's gonna be a big season. This is someone who's alleged to have done some pretty significant financial crimes. So the idea that they're trying to knock this down is, I mean, reasonable, right? They're trying to get their client the best possible terms if they can. Of course, they're going to do this. But still, this is going to go to court. This is going to happen. This is going to be really wild to see what the defense ends up being and what the case ends up being. I think all signs kind of indicate like, hey, this isn't fraud. This is kind of negligence. Hey, we kind of messed up. 
are bad, but we're going to see if that gets trotted out in the court of law. And it's going to be fascinating to see, honestly. So uh, in the procedural steps, lawyers are going to do this stuff. But, you know, come October, when, when it goes down, that's really when we see uh, what, they, what they really have in store. But Will, what do you think? Yeah, this article is really fascinating. So I encourage everyone to go take a, a look at it. Most of the points here made by St. McFreed's defense is that the extradition treaty did not allow for the uh, alleging of other crimes or tacking on other crimes after the extradition had occurred. The prosecution's coming back and saying, no, we can do that if there's consent given by the country uh, that has extradition treaty with the U.S., in this case, the Bahamas. So it's going to be back and forth. The one alleged crime here that's really important is that $40 million check that St. Bankman-Fried allegedly sent to a Chinese communist official in order to unfreeze certain accounts owned by Alameda, uh, the research firm that was behind a lot of the intertangled uh, funds between FTX and uh, Alameda itself. So that, I think, is going to be a point of contention. Why? Because that headline caught a lot of people's eyes, right? So St. Bankman-Fried obviously took a lot of damage, hurt retail a lot. But if you really want to go to like a political level, just get the Chinese Communist Party involved and you all of a sudden have like every single person in the U.S., especially in politics, going to be jumping on this and giving their opinion. And if there's going to be some sort of like talk about this and the extradition treaty really is going to become important here. So we'll see what the judge ultimately decides uh, if it's going to be included or if not. To be frank, it almost doesn't matter from just looking at the facts right now if more things are tacked on, because at a certain point, you just reach it where there's so many years onto a sentence that could likely be going against St. Benfried that it doesn't really matter. But I think the prosecutors are going to push as hard as they can. I'll throw it back to you, Wendy. So two things. First thing is, I'm not like a big blame person, but in this particular case, we had a crypto assets company go overseas to run their business. The reason why they went overseas to run their business is because the public servants refused to give any type of clarity as to what a crypto asset is. And we've known that they haven't been doing their job since 2017. So really, the SEC is kind of to blame for this. And same with the CFTC and other types of public servant agencies. Also, too, I think the biggest thing here that they're going to go after is probably going to be the campaign finance violations. And I think that that's the most interesting part. The reason being is, it's okay to bribe politicians. It's okay to lobby and to spend money that way. But then if you get in trouble for something, that's when they actually call you out. So it's going to be interesting to see if they keep this charge or they dismiss it, because if they do keep it, that that's going to open up a whole can of worms and it's going to cause a lot of issues and attention on that particular law and other people that may be doing unscrupulous activities as far as giving money to public servants. I'll pick it up. One more thought here, if I may, if I may do that. Commodities thing is also interesting here. So the defense is saying that St. Megan Freed's FTX and Alameda Research were not uh, under U.S. law in this instance for commodities because they're outside the U.S. or operating in the Bahamas. And that will be an interesting point to be brought forward by the prosecutors if they're going to push forward on uh, what was like illegally being manipulated or not, what was being manipulated or illegally used by FTX and Alameda Research, uh, because there is like that dispersion or like that geographic boundary between the Bahamas and the U.S. In this case, the prosecutors have always shot back and they've already said that uh, these markets are intertwined and therefore what FTX was doing with commodities, probably Bitcoin in this instance, was impacting U.S. customers. So there is standing in that case. But I think that could have like long reaching effects in other markets as well. Like if, if there's offshore exchanges are also trading Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies seen as commodities in the US, 
in this case goes and says like, hey, you guys were manipulating this commodity, you know, that could have far-reaching ramifications for other exchanges. So I'm also looking to that point. We'll see what happens. Wednesday's top story. You know what, guys? I am just so tired of all the layoffs and I'm so mad at all these companies that are doing them because I just feel like they have not been great planners. But got to get into it. So Nansen cut 30% of workforce to reduce expenses. And apparently it has been reported that Binance says it's focusing on talent density after reported layoffs. So let's get into the Nansen stuff first. Blockchain data analytics platform Nansen will reduce its staff by 30% and they're looking to cut costs. The CEO says he believes they need to make organizational changes to create the right conditions for those who stay. Despite the cuts, they still have several years of runway as it looks to build a substantial operation. And then as far as Binance goes, this morning, independent journalist Colin Wu from Wu Blockchain claimed that Binance may lay off 20% of its staff in June. And that is, again, a claim. So who wants to get this one and talk about layoffs? Because this is our favorite topic on the show. Go ahead, Zach. The beatings will continue until morale improves. That's the story here. And they're not going away anytime soon. I guess things were so good during the bull run that there's all these people who can be disposed of summarily when things turn south. It's pretty wild. I think Coindesk sadly has stopped updating that story, I believe. I'm going to fact check myself in a little bit. But they did a great piece of work in assembling all the many layoffs that we've seen since I believe last April, and it was something like 25 to 30,000 folks. So it's a significant amount of people who've lost jobs in this industry relating to the downturn in crypto asset prices. It's pretty crazy to see these ones. So, you know, Nansen, I guess it totally makes sense, right? Like, you know, they're serving a crypto clientele that has smaller budgets. As such, they cannot support the headcount that they were previously able to support. And that's a pretty significant you know, that's a pretty significant cut right there. If the stuff with Binance, um, you know, proves to be true, something like an 8,000 person workforce, 20% of that workforce could be gone. That's a lot of folks as well, right? So uh, these are significant numbers. These are significant uh, amount of livelihoods being impacted by these decisions. And it's always sad to see when people lose jobs and, uh, you know, face a new degree of uncertainty. So, you know, always top of mind that these are, these are human stories first. And then obviously sort of the bigger picture industry stuff that we're all grappling with for these many months. But pretty crazy stuff to see that the, the layoffs still are happening. I thought maybe they would be done by now, but they clearly are not. Will, what are you thinking? Yeah, I like all the stuff you added in there. And then again, like condolences to everyone who's going through this as it's definitely like a troubling time and frustrating. Uh, most people are experiencing layoffs right now at crypto companies. It continues like kind of drab or slowly. It hasn't been as fast and furious as it was, say, nine months ago, but it's still present. The two different layoff scenarios here are interesting, though. So Nansen, it seems like they're cutting staff because they are a service provider for a lot of different companies out there. They provide great insights into how wallets interact, where funds are flowing. People use them in order to trade. And so Nansen is basically totally exposed to this trading market, right? If trading dries up, I think we have the lowest volume for trading since 2020. Then you're going to see these service providers also drop because people who use them are going to actively be canceling subscriptions which means Nansen's bottom line is going to be uh, dropping. One interesting side note from this is they did raise $75 million in a recent series uh, for its total runway. And that seems to be like saving them during this moment or allowing them to continue to operate. But that doesn't mean that you can keep those people on staff. Just because you raise a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean that you have to employ these people. Like It's a business, so you have to make the decisions best for you. The Binance News on the other side of the story here is a little more interesting because I said that they're probably laying off like the low performers, right? So this Binance announcement 
seems more like the tech layoffs we've seen in traditional tech, right? Where there was huge amounts of people being employed by the Googles, uh, the metas of the world in 2020, kind of running into this pandemic hiring surge where people thought everyone's going to be online. And then three years later, it's like, oh, we have too many people. So they start laying off about 20% of their workforce. That's how I read the Binance story. Binance is still dominating uh, almost every single metric when it comes to exchanges. So I, I think they're probably just sort of like recalibrating. Last thought, they also are moving out of Canada. So it seems like, hmm, you know, maybe they don't need all those pe- people to open up that entire new market. Wendy, I'll throw it over to you. That was actually a good point when you mentioned Canada. I didn't really... I, I think I skipped that when I um, went over when I read the article earlier this morning. Didn't have enough coffee. Coffee machine exploded. But considering the recent news that I believe it was Bybit that pulled out of the Canadian market, this makes sense. So it feels like Canada is going to be cracking down heavily on crypto asset companies. I do want to toss this over to Jen because I believe you are a Canadian. Is that true? Canada. Yeah. And an update on Binance in Canada. It looks like the Ontario Securities Regulator is still asking Binance to produce some documents. It's not really clear why they're investigating Binance since they've left the country, but that is an ongoing thing that we need clarity on. I think from a layoff perspective, when we look at a lot of these crypto companies, the last time they raised funds, they thought they were going to be able to raise again and didn't foresee a bunch of different events happening that affected the regulatory landscape. You know, we saw a bunch of companies go bankrupt in the industry. And so I think you can prepare for a bear market, but I really do believe that a lot of companies felt like they were going to be able to raise again. And now they're finding themselves in a situation where VCs are not allocating money to crypto companies because of the unclear regulation and they're having to extend their runways. With Binance, the statement that Binance provided uh, Coindesk, I thought was interesting. They said it's not a case of right sizing, but rather reevaluating whether we have the right talent and expertise in critical roles. For me, that feels a little bit like right sizing. Like the statement just feels like a whole lot of nothing. And I think in layoffs, you have like if there are layoffs happening or if there are people losing jobs, like having that human element in your communications can go a long way. Zach? Yeah. And I think like, you know, some of those big lofty valuations that some of these firms raised at uh, in the good times, they can also come back to to bite you, right? When you're trying to top those valuations and you can't just because valuations in the space have sagged so dramatically. So that's also, I think, a factor at play, perhaps with Nansen and potentially others. I just did want to fact check myself. So Coindesk did the Herculean work of tracking from April 2022 all the way up to March 28th of 2023 in terms of the layoffs in the crypto sector. Last, at last count, it was 29,868 crypto jobs had been lost. And obviously, we've seen significantly more since the end of March. So that is definitely north of 30,000, just a stunning number to, uh, to put in context for still relatively small industry employee-wise. Uh, Jen, saw your hand. What are, you, what are you thinking? Can I add a glimmer of hope? Like, I know I've said this before, but, but no, do we... Nope. Do we, let me add a glimmer of hope. Let me do it. Do uh-uh. we, like, maybe there's all of this talent that are not bound by contracts right now, are not bound by non-competes, you know, have different interests in the crypto industry and maybe the tech industry at large. And possibly the bittersweet takeaway is we're going to see some really great innovation coming out of these dark times. That's, I, that's my final thought. I don't know if anyone here can agree with me, but that is my final thought. There is hope and a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. I personally think that maybe some of these people that got laid off or are looking for work in the industry that do have actual talent, they'll go out on their own and they'll build something really cool. So fingers crossed that's that that happens. Hope. 
That was such a nice little optimistic note to nice. end that segment on. That was so, that was so, so nice. That was so nice. Thursday's top story. We got a story on the three AC guys to open the show, and I am taking it. That's right. Bankruptcy Claims Exchange OpenX issues another token, the OX token. OpenX's own little version of BNB or FTT was issued today, and people were excited. Now, 3AC guys partnered with the CoinFlex guys to launch OpenX. So CoinFlex had a pre-existing token called Flex. There's a relationship between the two tokens, and Flex was pumping a little bit on the news when this was dropped today. We'll talk about exchange tokens. We'll talk about OpenX. This also follows some somewhat contested fundraising announcements that were made by OpenX. So we'll also talk about that. I'll toss this straight to Adam for his thoughts. What do you think on OpenX these days? I think that this type of exchange actually makes a ton of sense. We've seen these sort of informal things come up. And really, again, what's happening here, if you dig into it, is that when a company goes bankrupt, you've got creditors, those creditors are owed money, but the process for getting that money out can, in the case of something like Mt. Gox, literally be you know like 10 years. Uh, so a lot of times, the value of the money in 10 years is a lot less than the value of the money to you today. And so sometimes people are willing to sell those claims at kind of pennies on the dollar uh, in order to get some liquidity back and to just escape having to worry about this for the next number of years, right? So this type of exchange uh, really does make sense. We've seen successful uh, use of this type of thing before. And it really reminds me of kind of the story way back when with Bitfinex, where Bitfinex got uh, compromised, had a whole bunch of money stolen from it. They issued a token rather than going bankrupt. And they eventually did manage to claw their way out of that whole thing, pay back all the tokens without ever formally going into bankruptcy. So this is a little different. This is legit bankruptcy claims, but it's kind of the same thing. And I like when you can connect dots like this and make it so people have more choices, even if none of the choices are good. Hey, it's always better to have options and pick kind of what's your favorite. Will, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you on that part. Like, I think this is a product that's needed. There's a lot of different Chapter 11 cases for a lot of these trading firms or hedge funds. And have it a place where you're able to like neutrally trade it makes a lot of sense. The background here, of course, is like the people who team this up are basically everyone's worst nightmare, right? Don't have a lot of love for Suzu on the show or Kyle Davies. CoinFlex also had a lot of problems. And a lot of these people still owe people billions of dollars. Uh, so that is one issue. And then the second issue here, I think, is the token itself, right? So it has the Flex token, which is uh, like an older token, like you said, Zach, from the CoinFlex team itself that somehow poured into this whole relationship, the new exchange, and then they launched this new token this morning, has about 9 billion tokens distributed right now to about 153 users. So token distribution isn't great there. And it's probably going to take a while for it to have like any sort of value. A lot of times like these tokens are launched with the purpose of just having liquidity and for people to cash out, pay for their own lifestyles. There's only a very few rare cases, Adam, where something like Bitfinex was able to actually hold itself to like figuring out problem with a token. More times than not, it's just another way to scam people out of more money. We don't know that for sure. We don't know anything about this token just launched. But if history is any guide for us, there are some concerns, definitely. Jen, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, you kind of said what I was going to say at the end there. You know, I think the product makes sense, but the focus shifting from the people to the product is interesting to me in an industry where we put so much stock into trust, right? Like, are we able to trust these two who are hopping around from jurisdiction to jurisdiction who have really loose extradition laws and who have not really said anything 
meaty in the public about what happened at 3AC. I pulled this quote from a previous Coindesk article. It was a quote from Kyle Davies who said, if you think about why people are angry, it has nothing to do with me. Actually, people are angry because the market went down. The quote goes on. You can go and read it in the Coindesk article. But I, I just wonder if these are the right people to bring this product to life and if they will be able to garner the trust of the public. Of course, when they launched, it was kind of a, it wasn't a good launch, right? Not a lot of people went to the product and now we've seen it kind of take off in the last 24 hours. I wonder if they'll be able to maintain the momentum. Zach, what do you think? Tokens sure incentivize activity, right? There's always people who are looking to play these things one way or the other to profit. And I think that's why you see a lot of projects turn to tokens, right? It generates excitement, generates a user base where previously there hadn't been one, right? It's, tokens are a great way to solve sort of the bootstrapping problem that you face in the world of traditional startups. Uh, they also come with significant downsides, significant sort of regulatory uncertainty in certain jurisdictions, and all sorts of other sort of perverse incentives that ultimately may not benefit a project for the long run. So we may see the beginnings of some of these trends play out over time with OpenX. I kind of do agree with Adam that it is cool that there is a product like this on the market, because again, the optionality of being able to trade those claims a bit more fluidly than you can on some other centralized exchanges out there is something that I think is needed, especially in the wake of the many bankruptcies that were in part facilitated by some of the risky decisions that 3AC made. So it is a bit of a complicated crypto story, given the actors and given their place in the product that they're offering. That's not to say that it's not going to be a success, but it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they navigate it to that success should it reach that stage. But Adam, I saw your hand. I'll throw it to you. Yeah, just kind of final thoughts on that. Yeah, again, like I, I have very little opinion whatsoever about the folks behind Three Arrows Capital or the folks who are doing this, but I will note that they probably understand this problem pretty intensely, <laughs> right? Like, Again, That's like a lot thing. of times the best people to build these types of products are the people who really understand the need. And you know that they've had people banging down their door, you know, saying, hey, where's the money? Where's the money? And this might be a way for them to be like, okay, go sell it to somebody else who doesn't want to deal with this. The other thing that I'll mention is that um, this does use special purpose vehicles. So there is a little bit of corporate kind of technicalities behind the scenes in terms of how the thing is actually enacted. That again, just makes me kind of be like, hey, let's wait and see what happens. But yeah, I definitely wouldn't be investing in anything to do with any of these folks at this point, but that doesn't have anything to do with this particular story. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.